Genesis means the beginning. It was written by Moses uh, many years after the events that are recorded here. And he's really talking about the beginning. And a lot of it has to do with this man named Abram. Today we're going to find out that uh, God changes his name to Abraham. But the series that we're doing is called A Journey of Faith. Because Abram, like us, is called to be on a journey of faith through our relationship with God and such. So we're going to be in uh, the end of Genesis chapter 16, beginning in chapter 17 today. If you have a a Bible with you or you can look on with somebody, that would be great. Uh, We're going to get there in just a minute. Let me just mention that uh, very grateful for uh, Marcel Hall preaching last week in my absence. And uh, I hear that he did a very good job. Of course, he was the one who told me that. But um, no, he did not. He did not say that. Sorry, Marcel. I was just having some fun at your expense. But as you know, that's not the first time I've done that. Nor will it be the last. Yes. As uh, As we think about the lesson today... I thought of a a question for us to consider. How many times in your life have you hoped for a second chance? Yes, most of us don't just think of one or two times. Uh, You know, we have regrets. We think about different things that have happened, perhaps uh, times when we disobeyed our parents, or perhaps in school where we got in trouble or we didn't do well on a test. Of course, it wasn't because we didn't study. It's because the teacher was unfair. <laughs> or perhaps in, uh, if you played on a sports team or you tried to get a job or you had a job and you got fired from your job, uh, whatever is going on, there are many times I think that we could think Wow, I wish I had a second chance. We've made choices in our life, haven't we? All of us. And, uh, you know, we, we, wish we, could, we wish we could get a do-over. A lot of us have made financial decisions. Did I touch a button there? Yes, yes. yes. Carly. Carly is listening, yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Carly. But we make financial choices, and then, uh, you know, we wish we could, wish we could do that over. Fortunately, uh, unfortunately, many times, uh, choices we make, our consequences are lasting, and that second chance never comes. Uh, When I think about uh, hoping for a second chance, I I thought of uh, the beginning of my relationship with Mary Kay. Now, it may not surprise you that I needed a second chance. (laughs) Now, a lot of you uh, might know, I don't have time to give the whole history of our relationship, But uh, I fell in love with Mary Kay from the first time I met her. I felt like God spoke to me. This is the woman for you. And I was thoroughly convinced, literally, literally from the first time I met her at church. She was visiting the church. I had recently been baptized into Christ. I immediately started praying for her to make her decision for Christ. And she did. And I felt like, you know, everything is going according to plan. 
we were in the campus ministry then at the, uh, the University of Florida, and we had both recently made our decisions to follow Jesus. So we were kind of new to that. And, uh, of course, I was very excited to begin taking her out on dates. Probably doesn't surprise you, I wasn't the only uh, young man in the congregation who was wanting and did take her out on dates. Uh, I expected the others would quickly fall by the wayside, but they did not. (laughs) Nevertheless, I felt like I had something very special going on. I mean, she was dating other people, but I felt like, you know, surely she understands, Rob. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. So, anyway, uh, this was very early. We'd been out on several dates, but, I mean, it wasn't the first date. We'd been out on several dates, and she was still dating other people. But this particular, this particular date, I thought, this is the date where I'm going to give her the first kiss. Your hearts are all going pitter-pat right now. So I, uh, I was a little nervous, but I was expecting this was going to go really well. Can I, can I say I was excited about that? So we got to the end of their date. She was living in the uh, sorority house there, Delta Gamma sorority at the University of Florida. I think a lot of you probably have not heard this story. Many of my stories you perhaps have heard. This is a new one. This is a new one, Marcel. I just want to make sure you're awake over there. I know how you are. But anyway... So I get up to the door, and, you know, I'm saying goodnight there at the door of the sorority house. And I try to do it exactly like I'd seen in the movies. You know, I kind of tilted my head to one side. Because, you know, you need to go in at a slight angle. Right? And so, so I gently, you know, I just sort of took uh, my hands, placed on the outside of her shoulders... And I started moving in. And, you know, I was expecting that what I've usually seen on television in the movies is that she would close her eyes lovingly and just welcome the moment. You know what I'm saying? Just embrace the moment. That's what I was expecting. But instead, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be super suave. Suave Rico. Rico Suave. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. So anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving in there. And instead of getting the response I was looking for, her eyes suddenly went wide. I took that as a sign that she was surprised. But I pressed on. I felt like I was committed. I felt like, I felt like you know, there's no turning back right now. I, and, and so, no, I could have leaned back, but no, I'm not doing that. So I go on in, and, and the closer I got the wider her eyes got. And then I got up so close and she turned her head. And I planted a kiss right there on her cheek. Now what, if, what happened after that is a blur. Um, all I know is I was extremely embarrassed 
humiliated. More than that, I was concerned about the future of our relationship. I felt like, you know, I have severely misjudged this situation. I have overplayed my hand, as it were, and perhaps now I have ruined any chance I have to see God's will done. So I went home that night. I don't think I slept well, as you can imagine, and I uh, went to church the next day, and as... uh, As it were, uh, Mary Kay did decide to give me a second chance. I'm not sure how long it was before I tried that kiss again, but the next time was successful. (laughs) And of course, uh, you guys realize that I'm sure that through the years now, we're now been married uh, 31 years, going on uh, 32, I think. (laughs) Don't do the math. But uh, she's given me more than one second chance. You know what I'm saying? There's been a lot of chances. Uh, In fact, I was reminded of that by my friends this week, Uh, Rob Cosberg being one of them. We were, uh, we had a meal together this week. Marty Fuquay was there. Rob was there. And I don't know how we got on the subject, but my friends like to constantly remind me of how fortunate I am to be married to Mary Kay. And uh, you guys are all praying for her, aren't you? Yeah, this is a weekly request that we have. We should put that on the prayer list. Um, But anyway, in this particular, they were encouraging me and they go, you know, they're always telling me how fortunate I am. And they go, you know, let me tell you what, we're going to, here's what's going to happen when you die. Um, First of all, you're going to die first, uh, before Mary Kay. And I think the reasons for that are obvious. And what we're all going to do is we're going to come and we're going to share all the stories about you. Remember this, Rob? Yeah. This is, they really said this. This was this week. They said, we're going to share all the stories about you and, you know, how difficult you were and how funny you were and what Mary Kay had to put up with. And by the time we finish sharing their funeral, before the funeral's over, she's going to get five marriage proposals. <laughs> these, these are my friends. So... Anyway, I'm glad that Mary Kay has given me a second chance. And so it is with God. The, uh, the title of the sermon today is The God of the Second Chance. And the point is, is clear. God continues to have a vision for us in spite of our failures. He is the God of the second chance. And by that, of course, we know it's not literally the second chance. We all have received one chance, one opportunity after another, and surely we still do today. As we've been looking at the life of this man, Abram, you might think that God would have given up on Abram by now. But he is the God of the second chance. Already, when we finished last week, we were 10 years into the story of when God had reached out to Abram. He was 75 years old, and he had given him very many promises and said, here's how I'm going to bless you. If you will obey me, if you'll put your faith in me, if you'll follow the path I've laid out for you. 
So off Abram goes. But many times already we have read about how Abram has failed. You remember the initial call that God gave him. He said, move a thousand miles away. And he only went halfway. He went, he's supposed to go to Canaan, the modern day land of Israel. That was going to be the land that God promised him. He only went halfway. Then shortly after that, we read where there was a famine in the land. After Abram finally got to where he was supposed to be. There was a famine in the land. He lost faith. He went down to Egypt to get some food and got afraid, got scared. Remember, he told a lie, said Sarah was not his wife. So for the last 10 years, they've been in marriage counseling, as you might imagine. So Abram is continuing, and many times he's had doubts. And then, if you were here last week, you remember, and if you weren't here last week, now he has his biggest failure of all. They were promised, one of the promises was that Abraham would become the father of a great nation. Of course, the challenge to that was he didn't have any children. How were his descendants going to become a great nation without any children? He and Sarah, his wife, Sarai, as she was called, had had no children. Ever since God had made that promise, still no children. Ten years later, and Sarai comes up. I'm paraphrasing the story. Chapter 6 says, I got an idea how we can fix this problem. I got this maidservant, Hagar. He says, why don't you sleep with her? Perhaps you can have a child by her. And then she could be, and then that child could be the, the child of promise. Okay? Now, this has happened to me occasionally in my marriage. I would think Abram would have figured out that was not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Occasionally my wife suggests things to me. And, you know, I'm sure she's very sincere and I'm sure Sarah was very sincere. But I think to myself, even if I don't say it out loud, I'm not falling into that trap. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Well, Abram didn't see that coming. So sure enough, they have the child. Ishmael is born. Turns out to be terrible. There's all kinds of tension in the family. And God has to step in and all that. And uh, this was really his biggest mistake of all. Wouldn't you agree? Having this child out of wedlock, as it were. And that wasn't God's plan at all. And you might wonder if perhaps this is the last straw. After all of his failures, and this magnanimous failure, muy grande. See, I'm working on my Spanish today. Got that Rico Suave thing straightened out. Yeah, now we're, now we're on to Muy Grande. Huge mistake. And it says at the close of chapter 16, so Hagar, this was the Egyptian woman, imagine that, uh, assuming Marcel read it last week, bore Abram a son. Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 86 years old. Now we go to chapter 17. Are you there? When Abram was 99 years old. Are you doing the math there? 13 years have passed. Do you realize that we were introduced to Abram 
In the book of Genesis, at the end of chapter 11, we've read all this stuff that's happened from Genesis 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And it's only been 10 years. And now we have a 13-year gap. And I'm wondering, I don't even know if Abram, if God had spoken or appeared to Abram or had communication with Abram during that time. Perhaps Abram was very insecure, wondering if God had perhaps given up on him. You know, I could, uh, I could imagine that, wouldn't you? Especially if there hadn't been any, uh, any significant communication. You know, three strikes and you're out. You ever felt that way with God? You ever felt that way? Perhaps I've had so many opportunities. I've failed so many times. And perhaps you even have one very large and significant failure in your life, spiritually, morally. And you just think, surely I can't come back from this. But the good news is, he is the God of the second chance. Let's read the rest of the story and see how it goes. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. God says, no, I am, I am confirming. I am telling you I still want this relationship with you. Abram fell, fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you, or this is my agreement with you. You will be the father of many nations. Do you see something different there? I'll get back to that in a minute. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abram, Abraham. Now, if you know, if you have a footnote like I do in my Bible, Abraham, the word Abraham, he changed his name to that, means father of many. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien. I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now skip down to verse 15. He is the God of the second chance. Verse 15, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, which means princess. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed. Abraham fell face down. 
he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. You know what the word, the name Isaac means? He laughs. That's in the footnotes as well in my Bible. You see why God called him Isaac? God has a sense of humor. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. All this time they've been waiting. 24 years. Say next, finally they get, finally they say, God says, this is when it's going to happen. Next year, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Thirteen years later, after the biggest mistake that he'd made, God shows up and he has even more promises for Abraham than he had in the beginning. Do you see that? Initially, he said, I'll make you into a great nation. Now he made this mistake with Hagar and Ishmael. So there's another son there. Now he says, I'm going to take care of that. You're going to be the father of many nations. Blesses that. He says, not only this, it was new. It had never been promised before in all the previous times that God had spoken with him. Kings will come from you. Of course, we know the line of kings in the Old Testament, people like David, and of course the ultimate King Jesus, who came through his, one of his descendants some uh, thousands of years later, uh, about, about 2,000 years later. And then, I don't know if you've been following the story or not, but if you haven't, for the very first time, Sarah is told that she will become a mother. Do you realize in all the other promises, God had been speaking to Abram. Sarah hadn't been directly involved. And in fact, that's probably why Sarah thought, well, I guess maybe that's not God's plan for me to have a child because she's not having one. And she suggests Hagar. But now after her mistake, after her failure, after Abraham's failure... God comes in, he says, no, Sarah, you will have a child. You will have a child. Thirteen years later. Have you ever wondered uh, why it just seems sometimes God takes so long before he decides to do something? Have you noticed that? Sometimes you can feel how active God is in your life. You know, and it seems like it's just powerful and it's just obvious and it's there and you, you're, you're responding to him and you're feeling a strong connection. And then sometimes there can be long periods where of silence. And sometimes that's because of us. Sometimes it's because God's just waiting for the perfect timing. When I was thinking about this lesson... 
I thought about uh, probably the worst decision that I ever made in my life. I had grown up in a, a family, in a home, where I did believe in God. Uh, I did believe in Jesus. I know that may not be where you are today. I did believe in the Bible. Yet when I was about 16 years old, don't listen to this, teens. When I was about 16 years old, I just decided I don't see God in this church. I don't see God in these people. Frankly, I'm bored at church. Have you ever been there? I'm bored at church. I can't tell you, the, the way I made it through most of the sermons that I heard when I was a teenager was by thinking about something else. The football game that was going to be played, or, the, or the, the last basketball game that I had played. I mean, I was desperate. Sometimes I went through the songbook and counted how many songs there were in the songbook. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just me, but... From the age of about 16, even though I was still going to church, because there really wasn't a choice in my family, I just started ignoring God. Then I went away to college, and I didn't have to go to church anymore. I kept ignoring God. For about seven years, I just went out, lived my life, just pretended like God did not exist. Then God shows up at just the right time in my life, when I had finally reached the end of my rope, when I had finally seen the emptiness of my ways, when every dream that I'd had had been crushed, whether it was my basketball dream or my education dream, at just the right time, God stepped in, much like he did with Abraham, because he is the God of the second chance. He stepped in, and when I was 23 years old, I had the opportunity then God showed me something different about faith and about what it meant to be a Christian and about my life. You know, um, when Abram got to have this conversation with God, and he tells him about the child. You see that uh, Abram laughs, right? I don't know, uh, I, I couldn't help but think while I was reading, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody says something or something happens and you know that it's not supposed to be funny but you cannot help yourself and <laughs> you laugh maybe even somewhat inappropriately that's what Abraham does and it's really not clear how much of this is just his uh, he's just, he just thinks it's incredible or unbelievable and he's laughing in joy, or how much of his disbelief? There's evidently some disbelief because of the questions he says. He says, like, you know, are you telling me I am 100 years old and I'm going to have a child? My wife, I don't know if you've noticed, Lord, she is 90. Are you telling me she's going to give it, she's going to have, we're going to have a child? And then, of course, God says, yes, you are. We're going to name that child Isaac, which means he laughs. And so that child, of course, we're going to read about that coming up. The child is born. And you can, always, you can only imagine that through the years, every time they called Isaac's name, they were reminded of perhaps, in one, say, in one sense, their lack of faith. But I think 
God gave him that name not primarily to embarrass or humiliate Abraham, but to remind him that he is the God of the second chance. And that even when you fall, and even when you fail miserably, and even when you doubt, God is almighty. God is powerful. He still has a vision for us in spite of our failures. And so he says, you know, he just reminds them of what God can do. Even when we are not as faithful as we should be. I wrote this down. God's power can still accomplish God's best even when we do our worst. Did you follow that? God's power, Marcel. God's power can still accomplish God's best even when we do our worst. To remind you of scripture in the New Romans 8, 28, God is able to, to make good, to do good, to bring about good out of all things, all circumstances. The God of the second chance. Is this your picture of God? Somebody has said that what you believe about God is the most important thing in your life. Can you see that? How you see God and how you picture God. I imagine there are people today in this audience who are not right with God, who are not where they need to be spiritually, who are holding back, who are separated from God. But part of it is you don't think God wants you. You think it's too late. You think you've gone too far. You think you've been too long. Yet he is the God of the second chance. He continues to have vision for us in spite of our failures. Even today, could God still do something great in your life? Even today, could God do something unexpected in your life? Even after all these years. I don't know how many long it may have been for you. Perhaps you've ignored God. Perhaps you failed miserably. But God continues to have a vision for us in spite of our failures. What will you do with your second chance today? What will you do with your second chance today? You know, uh, as I did grow up going to church, I'll tell you about one of the worst days I had in church. I was a young man, and I don't remember exactly how old. I'm assuming I was a young teenager. And uh, perhaps I was listening in, 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 in a little bit more then than I was later on. I remember the, the message that I don't remember any message that I ever heard all through high school except for this one. Are you, are you tuned in now? The speaker talked about how God had a plan for everyone's life. And that God wanted to do something. It might be something different, but God had a plan for everybody's life. 
And I remember where I was, and I remember where I was sitting, and I remember what I thought. And what I thought was, what if God wants me to go into the full-time ministry? That is literally, that was the worst possible thing that I could think of. I go, oh, how horrible that would be. If God, and, and even now I can't help but think God put that in my heart. I have never forgotten that. Frankly, it haunted me for many years. All those years I was out, you know, doing my thing. It haunted me. I couldn't imagine a worse possible life. I was not inspired by the church I was growing up in, Marcel. I looked at that minister and it was up there on Sundays and I saw what he did and I heard him speak and I go, I, I don't mean to be mean. I was like, I would rather be anybody in the world, but you. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, he's a fine man. I'm sure that's a lot more, you know, my problem than his, right? You understand that. I didn't need to say that, but I did anyway. But years later, the God of the second chance stepped in and my heart was able to change. I was able to be brought to a church where I got a, a, a whole different vision of what it means to follow Jesus. You guys had that experience where the Bible started to come alive, where people were living powerful lives where people were being blessed. And then I embraced it. I embraced it. Almost immediately after I was baptized into Christ, I started thinking about, maybe I could be in the full-time ministry. See how God works? After so many years, in such unexpected ways. After I'd failed so miserably through my high school years, through my college years. And I tell you, the decision that I made to go into the ministry, I got a master's degree in civil engineering, that worked as an engineer for several years while I was training for the ministry. Um, the decision that I made to leave that and go into the ministry was... You know, other than the decision to be baptized into Christ and other than the decision to marry Mary Kay and her decision to marry me. You know, that was the best decision that I ever made. I look at the richness of my life now and I wouldn't trade it for anybody's. What I have been able to see in my own life and the hope that I have and the experience I've had of my marriage that continues to grow and my children and parenting and you know, being able to help other people in their faith and help other people become Christians, so rewarding. You know, what I've been able to do, this week I'm going to, uh, tonight actually, I'm flying to Cambodia for the week because some of you know that for the last three years I've directed an effort that we've all participated in called Hoops for Hope LA to raise money for the Sihanouk Hospital, a hospital in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, that provides free medical care for some of the poorest people in the world. We've raised $120,000 in the last three years. 
I would have never dreamed that my life, and it's not just me, we all worked on this together. I've never even seen the hospital. Now they, they want me to come over to be able to see it. Um, but, you know, just the, you find out when you start living for God and you start living for others, how fulfilling, it, how much more fulfilling that is than when you live for yourself. Have you figured that out yet? It's so rewarding to be able to help the poor. And we do so many things in our church to do that. To reach out in our communities, to show love, to give love. It is more blessed to give than to receive. To live with a purpose. To be a blessing to others. I could not have chosen, I'm happy, I know this is not everybody's will to go into ministry. I could not be happier with the choice and where the plan that God prepared for my life. And the fulfillment that it is for me, and still is, to be able to make a difference. But it's because God is the God of the second chance. What are you going to do with the second chance that God is giving you?